Have you ever wished that you were taller or had eyes of a different color? Or maybe you wondered why you weren't better at basketball or could play the piano like a virtuoso. Some of these things are programmed by heredity and DNA, but not everything. There are things that we can do to nurture growth and development, or we can hamper it. The same is true in the spiritual realm. Those who are in Christ cooperate with the Holy Spirit as they grow in grace and obedience. Sometimes they hinder the process. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, the apostle tells us to crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. The Greek text literally says that we grow into our salvation. It almost sounds as if there is a mold, and spiritual growth is the experience of being poured into it. In a way, this is true. The shape of spiritual growth in its final form has already been determined for us. It's not a list of behaviors, but a person. We are growing into the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. But the process of growth is not automatic. There are some Christians who seem to be stalled in their spiritual development, while others grow more quickly. What makes the difference? Is there a secret to spiritual growth? The primary means that God uses to nurture our growth is the Word of God. Peter describes it as pure spiritual milk and tells us that we should crave it. This command is a little surprising. It implies that we have a responsibility to be disciplined in our intake and cultivate our hunger. In a way, Peter tells us to develop a taste for God's Word. When it comes to ordinary food, we develop a craving by tasting it. This is also true of God's Word. But many Christians find that the taste for God's Word does not come automatically. They may begin to read Scripture and find that parts of it are hard to understand. There are many stories in the Bible, and they don't understand the background. Or maybe they don't enjoy reading. So they begin, but quickly lay the Bible aside. Acquiring a taste for the Bible begins with a conviction about the Bible itself. We read it because it is more than a book. It is the Word of God. Our belief about the Scriptures is the same as the Thessalonians, who accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is at work in those who believe. The truths of the Bible not only work on us, they work in us. God's Word transforms those who crave it. Prayer is another practice that contributes to our spiritual development. There is more to spiritual growth than learning to perform a series of spiritual tasks. It is a growth in our relationship with God. If the Bible is the primary means that God uses to speak to us, prayer is how we talk to God. When we pray, we not only make requests, we also worship, unburden our hearts, and spend time in God's presence. Prayer is not a conversation so much as it is communion. We do not need to go to great lengths to get God's attention when we pray, nor do we need to make clever arguments. Jesus assures us that God not only hears our prayers, but he also says that your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He is neither ignorant so that we need to instruct him, nor hesitant so that we need to persuade him, John Stott observes. He is our Father, a Father who loves his children and knows all about their needs.
In most cases, spiritual growth is not something we experience in isolation. God has designed the spiritual life so that it flourishes best when it takes place within a community of believers. The Bible's name for that community is church. Ephesians 4 says that Christ has gifted the church with individuals whose ministry is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Those that the Apostle Paul lists in this passage include pastors and teachers who exercise a ministry of God's Word. They proclaim the gospel and teach the truths of Scripture. Those who are trained by their teaching implement what they have learned by building up the body of Christ. We often talk about church as if it were a location. We think of the church as a place we go to worship. But the Bible speaks differently. On the one hand, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul describes how the Corinthian believers come together as church. According to this, church is something we do. It is the act of coming together as those who worship and follow Jesus Christ. On the other hand, the Apostle also speaks of church as an identity. Church is what we are. It is a community of those who belong to Christ. Christians come together as church to experience the reality of God's presence through worship. Another reason the church gathers is to hear the Word of God taught. When Acts chapter 2 gives a snapshot of the life of the early church, it says that the first disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Christians meet together to study God's Word to know how to be the church when they go their separate ways. A church is a community bound together by what Jesus Christ has done and what it has been taught. In the natural realm, eating and exercise go together. Food provides fuel for growth and activity. The same principle holds true in the spiritual realm. Spiritual development comes when we combine spiritual nourishment with obedience to what we have learned. Ultimately, however, it is God who makes us grow. God has given both the Word and those who teach it. His Spirit grants us understanding and empowers us to obey. Spiritual growth is not an accomplishment for which we can take credit or feel pride. Like everything else in the Christian life, it springs from grace. Those who grow spiritually grow in grace, just as God is the source of our spiritual life. He is the secret behind our spiritual growth. Thank you.